When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7. Hell yeah! On the horn. Hour two on the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Well, we're overreacting a little bit, but it's okay. It's okay. Get it out of our systems on a Monday afternoon. Text line's open, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. You guys send in a bunch of stuff, good stuff already. So maybe a few overreactions. A lot of you guys, I feel, are on point. Uh, we're going to talk a little Cowboys here in the next segment. So we're asking for the big fat poll today. What should the Cowboys do next? Send in what you got, your opinions of the Cowboys. And try and keep it at least, you know, something I can say on the radio. I know it may be worse than that. But we're going to talk some Cowboys, little Texans. Uh, and we'll keep reading your text. Uh, I'll get to as many as I can of the Texas Longhorns text as well here in hour two. 512-447-3776. We appreciate you guys being a big part of the show. Uh, we did get a text that says, how do we justify Venables turning OU back into elite and better in his second year with a former two-star at QB while Sark can't get it done with a top recruit ever at quarterback? This might be a bit of an overreaction. I would not say that OU is elite. I would not say. I said they had a really good game. They played in their rivalry game really well. They are undefeated. I don't know if I would call them elite yet. Uh, we haven't seen them be able to push around and do that against other good teams. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to play another good team until possibly the Big 12 championship. They may not play another top team. So we may never even know how good this Oklahoma team really is. But I, I think Sark has also done pretty well this year. He has built this team back up. D- Dylan Gabriel, the recruits, we can look at you know whatever star rating you want. He's clearly a much better quarterback. He's coming out of Hawaii, so he's coming out where maybe he wasn't getting uh, recruited properly, maybe not coached properly, or whatever you want to say. He's clearly, clearly not a two-star quarterback. He wasn't a two-star quarterback. He was, I believe he was a four-star when he was uh, transferred to Oklahoma. So he didn't even recruit him as a two-star. He recruited him as a four-star out of, a, out of another school. So let's not, let's not go too far that Venables is clearly the best coach in college football history. I don't know if I'd go that far on him yet. I think he had a good game. He came out. He got his team pumped up. He was ready to go, and Texas wasn't. But it's a good learning lesson for Texas. Good learning lesson for Texas. We said Longhorns played like they expected to win and to exert our will against Oklahoma. Sooners played to prove a point and to be spoiler to their biggest rivals. Yeah, it's that's pretty much what it is. That's, that's pretty easy summation. Texas came out, thought they were going to be able to do whatever they wanted to do, weren't able to do it. Uh, we will say, before we get to the, the Cowboys talk, keep texting in 512-447-3776, what you do if you could run the Cowboys, uh, what you would do next, stay the course, fire some coaches, make a trade, hit that up. Hit us up there. Uh, I will say, if you want to be a basketball fan tonight at 7 on NBA TV, Victor Wembanyama, 
Wimby plays his first game, so you can check that out. Uh, Vassell, or, uh, sorry, uh, Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan are out for that game. Tomorrow during the day, you can see uh, Luca's return to Madrid, where he played uh, before he got drafted to the NBA. He's going to be out there. Kyrie Irving's out. If you ever want to see Luka Doncic jack up three-pointers for 90% of a game, that is the game to watch tomorrow. I believe it's at 145. That game right there. Houston kicks off their preseason game. Uh, tomorrow night as well, you'll get first Houston uh, Rockets preseason game. But we're, basketball is coming back a little bit, too. It's a little diversion on a bye week for Texas. Uh, and if you're not uh, happy with what's happening in the NFL, uh, this text does say, I don't understand how Cowboys fans can be unrealistic at this point. Cowboys are a great second-tier team, but they are not elite. This game played out exactly how I thought it was, which is uh, getting exposed against an elite-tier team. Cue the Howard. They are who we thought they were sound. I mean that's kind of it's kind of where you want to be with the Cowboys. I think there's more to it. I think the Cowboys have talent. I think they have a ton of talent that they don't necessarily use. We know CeeDee Lamb was getting upset. We know Jamar Chase was getting upset two weeks ago and he looked just fine. They finally found a way to get him involved. I've never been a fan of Mike McCarthy's play calling. I do want to issue an apology to Kellen Moore. I've sat on these airways for years and saying Kellen Moore uh was terrible and he only showed up against bad teams. Apparently, that was above his head. Apparently, Mike McCarthy was fine with that kind of playing because that's what they've looked like. They've really only shown up against teams where they were able to impose their will defensively, and then the offense is able to bounce off that. This team is supposed to be able to have a defense that does okay, and then the offense is able to keep the ball. They kept getting three and outs. They were not able to move the ball. The Rangers had more runs than them. It was terrible. It was a terrible game. And, you know... You got the two different sides of it from the players too. You have Dak Prescott, who came out after the game and say it was the most humbling loss that he's ever had. Didn't see it coming, as you said. Put everything into this and uh, got punched in the mouth. Um, called a couple of weeks ago, humbling against Arizona, uh, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Um, felt good about the preparation. Felt good about everything. Honestly, coming into this game, matchups and. They beat us in every aspect. So that's the the Dak one. We got humbled in every aspect. And Micah Parsons not quite ready to sell this this Cowboys team is short. I don't think they really are higher level than us. Um, I think we're the same caliber playoff team, Um, if not the same talent standard as them. Um, I just feel like we need to really reconsider some things, get together, and uh, fix it, fix some things. I feel like it was a few plays away. The score don't really uh, shape what really happened out there. After a game like that, why do you feel that way? Why, why do you still feel like you guys are on their level? I just feel like there was nothing that they did besides us beating ourselves. I mean, you look at the third downs. I mean, I jump off sides, we, we, and then they get seven, five plays later. You know, uh, third down, Wanye makes a great hit on McCaffrey, but somehow it's a, it's a, and you know, the drive goes on and they score right there. I mean, we get a third and long, and it's like, it was just like, I feel like we just beat us. Like, there's, I don't think, and you know, that's the thing with like good teams like this. If you beat yourselves, it shows its magnitude. And today, we were the four turnover team. We were the team that couldn't get off the field on third down and then succeed in those uh, things. But I don't think that we're off the same caliber at all. You are a different caliber. You're a different caliber a lot of reasons, Micah. There's a lot of reasons you're not at the caliber of the 49ers. One, you don't have the depth. That this is a team that has been building depth for season after season. 
This is a team that continues to make smart trades and bring guys in. The guy that's a team that just brought in Randy Gregory, guys that you couldn't re-sign because for whatever reason you had something in his contract that would basically let you get out of his contract if he smoked weed again and got caught. So you got at, you put that in his contract. He said, screw that. He went to Denver. He hasn't played any well, but now he's on San Francisco for nothing. They're going to go pick him up and, and take him in and try another guy and see if they can reclaim him because they're trying to build depth. They're trying to add as many pieces as they can add as opposed to Jerry Jones who only wants to show off his, start, his fancy starting, starting lineman, start, his fancy starting lineup, and the rest of it. You know, okay, we'll have some okay guys. But we don't need to spend a bunch of money on our backups. And then everybody starts to get hurt, and DeMarvion Overshawn gets hurt, and now Leighton Vandresh may be on the injury list, may go on IR, and you don't have any linebackers, and you're playing four safeties at a time because you don't have any linebackers. And I know there's positionless football, but it'd be nice to have a linebacker, but you didn't want to build any depth that way. You needed another running back who was able to play this season. There was tons of them on the board. You decide to hold out and take somebody so you can get your highlight on the, the reality show TV about the draft. You do that. I don't think Deuce Vaughn's going to be a bad player. I think it was it was stupid to take that running back because I. But we all know what you want to do. You knew the cameras were going to be there. I think that's the problem with the Cowboys. I think you hired Mike McCarthy, and when you found out he lied about watching all your games, you didn't really care because he can tell the company line. He got Turpin involved. I, I appreciate that he did that because they they got him in. They signed him last year, and Kellen Moore said, "Screw that! I'm not using Turpin." He at least got him involved in the game. But this is how I have to equate it to people. I, I'm a music guy. I came, from, I came from working for bands. For me, the way players use quarter, the coaches use quarterbacks, there's coaches who know how to use quarterbacks and you know how to make their strengths the best. If you look at what Kyle Shanahan's doing with Brock Purdy, and he's able to make everything that Brock Purdy does and all of Brock Purdy's strengths stand out and he diminish and hide the Brock Purdy weaknesses. That's what that's what good coaches do, right? You make it. And and Dak Prescott, his rookie season, that's what they did for him. They said we know what he, you know, we know what his weaknesses are, but we need him to grow out of that. And then they just pretended like he grew out of it. And they have been pretending that he's grown out of these problems and not gone at it. The way I put it in musical terms is it's like if ACDC made Malcolm Young the lead player and Angus Young the the rhythm guitar player. The band would be a lot worse for no reason. But it's because you're not putting players in the position to win. And that's what the Cowboys continue to do. They continue to put players not in a position to win. You continue, you draft Mozzie Smith, and you know you have Hankins, and you have Odigazua. You have guys that are supposed to be in there to help the run. Hankins had no... But, you know, then when you don't have anything better to do, Micah Parsons gets stuck having to do run coverage, and he can't blitz the way he wants to do. And every team knows they can get through on you. And instead of trying to add depth in the linebacker core that you can really stop the run game with some linebackers and maybe get another linebacker in there that's a bigger guy that can really help out and, and solidify your run game. You don't. You kind of stay smaller, and you don't bring in more depth. You don't bring in more options that when your plan A goes wrong, you have no plan B. And plan A goes wrong for the, the Cowboys every year. A plan, plan A goes out the window by week five, week six, every single year for the Cowboys. And they never have a plan B. And I, 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 look, I've said that Mike McCarthy should have been fired before. I don't know how you salvage it at this point. I don't know who your play caller is. So I don't, I don't really see any point in firing him at this point because I don't know who you're bringing in to call plays better than him. You know, if you're bringing in someone new, then you're going to want to put them in anyway. Unless, unless Dan Quinn's got a phone number of somebody that he knows that can call plays better than Mike McCarthy and can, you know, get this team to do what they kind of want him to do. I don't know what you do. You know, we were asking on the text line. No one has any answers. 
You know, who do you go make a trade for? It's not like you're trading for a quarterback. What quarterback's out there? You already traded for Trey Lance. By the way, you trade for Trey Lance. He's taking a roster spot that could be used for somebody else, but you can't, you can't, you know, wave him, put him on the on the practice squad because someone else will pick him up. You got Drew Vaughn who can't really get in the game and play many minutes, can't do anything, can't run the ball, can't be a solid backup, but you have to keep him on there because if you wave him, put him on the practice squad, someone's going to pick him up. So you got those guys that are your third string guys that you can't even put in the game. It's just bad roster management. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do if you're a Cowboys fan. I think you're. I think this season is kind of already a wash, and you're not going to tank because it's Jerry Jones. It's the Cowboys. You can't tank. You're going to go out there and beat the crap out of every bad team you can play. Every team that doesn't have a that doesn't have the answer when you're not going up against Kyle Shanahan, who knows Dan Quinn, or you're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles coach at the Cardinals, who knows Dan Quinn. If you're not going up against someone who knows Dan Quinn, this defense is probably going to do pretty well. But Dan Quinn's figure outable. He's got to correct that. I think he can, but he's got to figure that out. And as far as this offense goes, you need to get as simplistic as you possibly can, and you need to trade for another running back. You need to be able to run the ball. you got your offensive line back. You need to be able to have two running backs and run the ball at will. And you can do a short yardage game and all that, and then maybe you can get CeeDee Lamb open, and maybe you can go for it. But right now, they know they'll trust to go against Tony Pollard because a lot of these guys feel like they're going to be able to stop Tony Pollard. And if you can't get to push with Tony, and if you can't sell that out, then why are they going to put any more emphasis on it? And good defensive lines feel they can go up and do that. I'd trade for another running back. That's what I'd do. I'd go out, like I've been saying from day one, and get a one-two punch at running back and try and make this a more ball control system. That's what I'd do. Get a, it's like watching Jeff freaking Fisher try to force VY into a pocket into a full pocket passer, ruin him, along with many other quarterbacks. Don't, and hey, by the way, Alan, you watch Alabama games. That's what they're doing with Milrow, Tommy Reese. Terrible. You got a guy who can do all these things, athletic freak, and you're going to stick him in there and try and make him a pocket passer, which he's not. And look, they missed on Dalvin Cook. They did. I don't think Dalvin Cook was the answer. I think, you know, you've got to go out and try and find a good yeah, – there's, there's running backs out there. There's running backs you can go find. I told you, Deontay Foreman, not really playing for for the Bears. Go out and call him up. Bears would love to make a deal. They're trying to figure something out. Broncos about to go down. I don't know who you're going to bring in. I don't think they're going to trade Devontae, but, you know, call the Broncos, see what they got. Terrible, terrible. Texans looked okay, looked okay. Uh, sad loss. Uh, it's funny because, you know, you saw what B. John Robinson meant to the Texas, went to Texas last year. B. John Robinson is the reason why they won that game. Desmond Ritter had his best game because of B. John Robinson. He was out there. He was able to pick apart this Texans defense for the most part. Texans played well. I think the Texans have a bright future. It was, a, uh, it was, it was annoying on this weekend. I think if Texas had won, I wouldn't have minded the Texans lost so much. But Texans losing too. Was uh, was a little rough to have the Texans lose in the fashion they did. Were able to get down the field, score the touchdown to take the lead, or kick the field goal to take the lead, uh, get up, and then not be able to close out the game. Go back down. Falcons come back down, uh, and win the game. That was disappointing. It was disappointing. It was nice to see that the Texans are taking steps forward. Uh, that was very cool to see that the Texans are taking steps forward. But it was disappointing to see what they. They were not able to close it out, but I, I, but I have more hope for that team. I feel like that team is at least aiming in the right direction. They're not supposed to win this year. 
Cowboys are supposed to, but the Cowboys are always supposed to win, right? I don't know why we keep doing it, but we keep doing it. We keep doing it, and we keep doing it. Tomorrow, Texas Rangers play as well. If you have not been keeping up, the Rangers put up 11 on Baltimore, get two wins in Baltimore, going home to Globe Life, playing the game there tomorrow. Uh, they will be uh, doing a great uh, – They if they win this game, if they win game three, whew, Rangers have got to be living happy. That's one good thing. You can say one good thing if you're a Rangers fan. Astros, of course, lose. They play again tomorrow uh, during the day. But tomorrow – uh, they'll be on early. The Rangers will be on 6.30 tomorrow uh, coming up uh, pregame, 6.30, here on the Horn. So we can get into that. Spurs tonight, I said. Uh, Wimby's playing. Vassell will be playing. Trey Jones will be playing. You get to see some of these young guys. It'll be fun to see uh, the Spurs play tonight on NBA TV. We get to see Wimby, see him against some talent. OKC is also a really fun team to watch. Uh, we'll get to see Wimby versus Chet Holmgren in this game probably. Who doesn't want to see Wimby versus Chet Holmgren? Are we all on board for Wimby versus Chet Holmgren? Come on, guys. Some positive things. Something to break, something to break it. Whew. Sorry, this is a beat down. I'm just a little beat down. Next segment, we're gonna play some uh we're gonna play some sound from Ian Robbie from Hook 'em Up, uh, weekday morning six to eleven right here on the horn. They were talking about the the red zone deficiencies for Texas, how it's become a real problem. Uh, I agree with them, and uh, that's what I want to play the show. I play the clip from it right here on the horn, one oh one nine and twelve sixty, the horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. We get a weakness. You got to see this. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances. Finessing on them with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this. Back in the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon playing some bands that are playing ACL Fest all week long here on our theme of the week. I do want to get to this sound from uh, Hook Him Up with Ian Rod B that was played earlier today. Uh, talking about the red zone troubles with Longhorns and uh, probably one of the biggest reasons why the Longhorns lost this game. We can go over all of them. We've talked about them all show long. All the reasons why Texas lost this game. But red zone and not being able to produce on the offense is one of those flaws that we've seen. We kept talking about, kept figuring that they were going to try something different and you still get the end result uh, of what happened with Texas. So here's uh, Rob Babers, Aaron Hogan from Hook'em Up every weekday morning right here, 6 to 11, right here on the Horn. Uh, them talking about the red zone problems, what are some of the causes, what are some of the solutions. Here's the guys this morning talking about the red zone problems for the Longhorns. The red zone issues for Texas, yeah. um, they're, a serious, they're, they're, they're a serious matter at this point. Um, I think that's you, you could, if you want to, throw it in there and say, honestly, Texas' inability to score in the red zone cost them the Texas-Oklahoma game. You can, if you want to just simplify it and just say, you know what, honestly, if they just cashed in the red zone, they had a goal line opportunity, four tries, couldn't get in there, got a turnover on downs. Um, and then the interception in the red zone, too, uh, was crucial. And so you came away with zero points two times you were there in the red zone. Um. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that's the game in a nutshell. Four-point game, yeah. And that's a bit. By the way, that's something that's been plaguing this team all season. Honestly, I think they're connected. I think the 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 opening script issues. Longhorn fans won't they want that solved because the opening script hasn't been as sexy and hasn't been as prolific and productive 
as Sark's first two years. The opening script was great, but this team is now uh, one of the top 10 teams in second half scoring and fourth quarter scoring. Um, but I think the red zone issues and the opening script issues are related, and here's why. I think they're kind of post-Bijan and Rojo issues that didn't probably would have been issues earlier, but Bijan and Rojo cover that up. Right, the opening script, I always say, you know, Sark's opening script in the first two years, they were Tarantino-esque. I mean, they were amazing scripts. Everybody's like, oh, his opening scripts are amazing. It's one of the best opening scripts in the country. Yeah, but opening scripts are easy when you have A-listers acting in your opening your script, right? Uh, when you got Denzel, when you got Tom Hanks, it's an easier script to write for those A-list actors. I think when you had B. and Rojo, maybe it was easier in terms of defining who you are and your identity. And your opening game plan, your, your opening Script is usually about what's your identity, how you're trying to set the tone, who are you? And for Texas, sometimes I think they struggle about who they are, even though they have a lot of weapons. I think Sark struggles about who this team is and what they want to be um, in terms of the identity of it. And also think in the red zone, that's when your identity also needs to show itself, right? If you're, you're a power team, you're a physical team, then that's then down there in the red zone. That's when you assert yourself. Um, Texas has a tough time, in my opinion, in the red zone and with the opening script, because I think they are post Bijan and Rojo issues um, that we kind of took for granted when Sark, in Sark's first two years, because those guys were so amazing in the red zone. It was easy. Find a way to get the ball to Bijan and Rojo. Opening script, easy. Half of that damn script is going to Bijan and Rojo. Right. Well, in this game, you had two plays, right? You threw a pass to Xavier Worthy and went for a loss of two yards because, again, Jatavian Sanders missed a block on this the little quick screen. And then the next pass was intercepted uh, by Will, by Gentry Williams on the next play. You said you were going to document uh, how that play came about, why you thought uh, yeah. Brett Venables and his team schemed it up, knew what was coming. Yep, I'll get into that. We'll get into that coming up behind yep. the burnt orange curtain. But you're right about that. The red zone was was brutal. And now I will say when the, the goal line stand, because somebody said, was that schematic or was that, um, you know, issues? Was it scheme-wise or play calling? Look, I mean, you've got, what, 2,000 pounds of mass trying to push to get a yard with the with the running back right now who leads the nation in rushing um, <laughs> behind it. Uh, yeah, big humans. Big humans, right? I mean, you, you, you should be able to get a yard. I mean, Jonathan Brooks now 726 yards trails only Troy's running back, Kamani Vidal, for rushing yards. So you've got the, the yeah. second leading rusher in the nation. Well, he's top five in almost every category. Rushing Ross. So <laughs> you, I, I know you can, you know, because they, they went jumbo, and this is the first time we've seen Tavondre sweat in the game, along with Byron Murphy. So they went super jumbo, mm-hmm. uh, ran the same play twice essentially, and then did one to the to the perimeter, then came back with a fourth down pass. Yeah, it was it was it was it was arrogant, and I'm not mad about him being arrogant about it. You, your mantra is big humans. You recruit them, all right. You got the biggest offensive line in the Big Twelve. You have a big thing about Matthews Pancake Factory. So paying good money for him. Shout out to the BMDs. So this is your thing. The reason. You go up there with that game plan with Devontae Sweat with Byron Murphy because you're telling everybody in the stadium and everybody watching you know where we're going you just can't stop all this mass and all this girth coming right at you you ain't got a chance and that's what it is and they stopped you they stopped you four times in a row in the goal line and that's when you argue well aren't you a very creative innovative mind couldn't you have found a way to more to scheme defenders out of the box rather than just say you know what we're going to play bully ball because no, that's who that we was, are. He was trying to make a statement. He was trying to make a statement. And Start of o- the fourth quarter. O- Oklahoma made a statement. They and did. what they did was, since you were so predictable, because you ran behind the jumbos every time. You ran behind Sweat. You ran behind Murphy every time. They just came right off the butt. 
of those guys as lead blockers. Right when the lead blocker went to the second level, go watch OU defenders. They come right off his butt. You can tell they were coached on it. Let him go to the second level, and then we're coming right off his butt because that's where the ball carrier is going to be. Yep. And they did it. They did it three times in a row. It was brilliant. Yeah, was. And then, of course, the quick pass to Xavier Worthy. Which was not up, very creative. It was just. I didn't love that play. <laughs> I don't think anybody did. That was did. the one I didn't love. Uh, <laughs> the other three, I, I can give Oklahoma credit, but uh, they were trying to make a statement. And that's why I, how I started the show. I think. You don't deserve better, to win better, if you can't score on the goal line with four downs now, and, in and, a Texas and, and, game. and factually, that play Period. didn't cost you anything going the other way because Oklahoma missed a field goal, so it didn't cost you points. And you came back down and scored and then took the lead. But yes, the goal line and the red zone offense. Because, I mean, the, 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 the interception by Quinn. Uh, the first time you got in the red zone, that one was equally um, problematic. Yeah. Uh, when when because by the way, Billy Bowman number two played a great game. Played a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big hit forces the turnover. Quinn kind of forced it. A little bit of a high throw, and that's another part of the uh, the bad fortune for Texas. Your your All American tight end wasn't healthy. Gave you what he could, but you know certainly was not the explosive player we've seen all year long. That no. hurt along with the Jalen Catalan injury, the Jake Majors injury. These are all, but that's football. That's football. You got to coach around that. Longhorns had a chance to win this game and didn't. Let's hear from Sark. This is how he uh, started his press conference right after the game from the Cotton Ball. Opening thoughts. Okay, I think uh, first of all, uh, hard fought game. Uh, tip my cap to, to Oklahoma. That, that was a nice win for them to, for them to battle back at the end the way that they did. Uh, I think I think one thing uh, I never question about our group and these guys here is their fight, their resiliency, um, the, and they they absolutely displayed that today when when we didn't play our best football today. Um, you know, we, we turned the ball over three times. Then we didn't we didn't create any turnovers. We had nine penalties, uh, which was was very uncharacteristic for us. Um, you know, one of three in the red area. Um, uh, and, and in the end, I think they had five sacks or something. And so, uh, and then, you know, our inability to, to corral the quarterback and, and his legs really hurt us there scrambling, especially in the second half. So um, that was not our best football. Uh, but in the end, not playing our best football, the, the connectivity that these guys have with one another, uh, their fight, their resiliency gave us an opportunity uh, to take the lead late. Uh, we just couldn't finish the game. So, um, the promising thing is I know we can play better than we played today, and we will, um, but we need to coach better. We need to play better than we did today, and um, we got we to gotta take it one game at a time moving forward now. So uh, proud of the guys, proud of the way they battled and competed, um, but uh, we need to play better football uh, if we want to be the team that I know we're capable of being. Right there, Sark. And uh, that's that's the frustrating part, right? I mean, you can give Oklahoma credit. They were the team that played more desperate football, I thought. Their game plan was tremendous. They had – the, the, the good fortune for them of not having a tough schedule so they could really sink their teeth into this game all offseason. And then even during the early part of this season, playing the likes of Cincinnati and uh, you know Arkansas State and the games they played. Uh, but the frustration for Texas, Rod, I, I have to believe, is just how good the team can be at times. But consistency within games remains a weakness. And Sark mentioned the... the um, you know the the uncharacteristic game they played. I mean, this hadn't been a turnover prone team. They made three turnovers or four if you count the goal line stand. They hadn't been a penalty prone team. They had nine. They were big, um, and they've talked all year about being playing complementary football. Rod, where one picks up the other, they didn't do that as a mm-hmm. team yesterday or Saturday. And all those things were that was new for the season. This team had checked a lot of boxes in those categories for the first month into the into the month of October, and that's why it's frustrating that you know on that day. Give Oklahoma credit for forcing some of the mistakes and playing a really good football game, and their quarterback was tremendous. 
But um, the Longhorns their own worst enemy uh, when it mattered most, and that's that's frustrating for Longhorn fans, and rightfully so. Yeah, um, I think Longhorn fans are going to have to uh, come. You know, it's it's okay to understand that your team made some mistakes, but these were not unforced errors. Uh, Oklahoma came into this matchup with the in, the national lead in interceptions. They got two of them. Uh, they were leading the Big Twelve in takeaways. They got three of them. That's what they do really well, and they forced Texas to basically play out of character. Um, and that's something that was very much in character for them. Uh, Texas was supposed to dominate the trenches because they got big humans and that D line had been so stout up until that point. Well, it turns out when you're playing at a quarterback who can play at a competent level and who's comfortable within that system, that, that Texas defensive line was neutralized. And the Texas did not win the lines of scrimmage against Oklahoma. They did not dominate the lines of scrimmage. That's something we also thought would happen. We also thought Quinn Ewers would outplay Dylan Gabriel because Dylan Gabriel hadn't played in this game before. Hell, as a matter of fact, Texas had the experience advantage overall because they had more players who had played in the Texas OU game. Oklahoma had a lot of new players, 40-something new players on that roster. A lot of guys who didn't know what the Texas OU game was even about, who played uh, crucial snaps in that game uh, and played critical roles in that game. And they found a way to beat Texas. So Texas, a lot of the things that we thought were going to be advantage of Texas, that they were a disciplined football team, they were not disciplined in that environment. That environment barred out the worst uh, part of Texas game. Now, they rallied and they did battle through adversity. Love the way they responded in the second half in the fourth quarter. Um, but th- we're talking about championship level football. Like, that's the difference in championship level football. You got to find a way to win games like this because if you're going to win a championship, this is not the last time you're going to play a game like this. Yep. Uh, the turnover is critical. Your quarterback, i got to mention Quinn Ewers. After the rough first and early start, he was tremendous. Uh, threw for 350 yards and really a one stretch was 24 of 25, which is why a lot of fans and you know observers thought maybe they should go for it on that, on that fourth and four. You know, your quarterback, Oklahoma's defense tired. Your quarterback mm-hmm. has been razor sharp since their early struggles. He's starting to see the field. You go for it on fourth and four instead of kicking the field goal. Sark said, no, 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 we got to get the lead here with 117 Take to go. Points. Take the points. Yeah, but take the points. as you said, there shouldn't have been a 117 on the clock at that point. No. If they had milked more clock, it could have been down under 40 some, seconds. Yeah, something like that. But I will say the, the slow start by Quinn and I, his – his draft, whenever he's drafted, you know, the draft highlight film, there'll be some throws from this game on there because he really was. I mean, some of his throws were, were fantastic. They were just NFL caliber throws, next level throws. But the slow start for Quinn, right? The two interceptions to start off, um, but then he found his groove. Give Sark some credit, by the way, for getting his quarterback back into a rhythm. You know, I, I played with Chris Sims as an NFL quarterback too, but there were times, sometimes his games were spiraled after a bad play early. All right. You don't want your quarterback to do that. You'd like them to find their groove and, you know, battle adversity and figure it out. And he did that. But the slow start, remember what I said all last week, that if you can show Quinn something on the field that he has not seen on film and Sark has not prepared him for, he will have a slow start. That's been the case so far this season. Sark even talked about it versus the, versus Rice in Wyoming. He didn't say that directly, but based on contest clues, we hypothesize those are the two games that he said two teams gave us a look on the field that we didn't prepare for and we didn't see on film. I'm assuming those were the two games because those were the slow starts for Quinn. And the Alabama game, he had a fast start, but we know they prepped well for Alabama probably for months. This game, Xavier Worthy said in the post game, so did Jonathan Brooks. They both said, yeah, they gave us a look on the field that we did not prepare for, we didn't see for on film. Boom. And by the way, we knew that was going to happen because he played the sound for y'all of Cole McCoy uh, saying last week, oh, yeah, Brent Venables, every time you play that guy, he's going to give you a different look than what you prepared for, something you didn't see on film. They did that. That's why Quinn started slow. So give Brent Venables some credit because he knew I got to give him something early on that he hasn't seen. If I do that, 
then Quinn will struggle early. But the maturity factor is he did find his way. That will uh, – but then you also give credit to your own coach who got you back in it with some ballsy calls of his own, right? Fourth down goes and fake punts, and uh, it was a heck of a ball game. I'll say this. Another place where I will, you know, throw the criticism flag is, okay, after you didn't milk the clock enough, you kicked the field goal, you took the points, fine with it. When Oklahoma went 55 yards on their first three plays of that drive, mm-hmm. which they did, and it mm-hmm. was almost too easy. Like 20 some seconds it took. Yeah. Like <laughs> and they went from the 25 yard line to their own 20, to Texas's 20 yeah. in three plays. Yeah. At that point, I think Sark should have called a timeout. I think he should have taken one of his timeouts and said, okay, guys, we've now given up the field goal, essentially. We're going we're gonna to mm-hmm. concede the field goal. Yeah. But we're not giving up overtime. Agreed. We're not giving up overtime. At that point, call timeout. All right, PK, let's let's rally the troops here. Let's change up. I understand maybe playing a little prevent defense and not nobody behind us from their 25. Now they're on our 20. Now we've got to defend 20 yards. They don't have a timeout. This is where I would like to see more, you know, PK, let's mm-hmm. get after it. Let's see if we can for, heat up this quarterback. Because, by the way, Rod, if you can get a sack, if you they don't have a timeout, all of a sudden, you're forcing them to maybe kick a longer field goal. All the things. That's where I wish they had done it. Instead, they didn't. They let Oklahoma continue to go fast, and they got a pass interference call uh, on Terrence Brooks. Yeah. That led them down inside the five. Then they, we know what happened, right? You got one stop on a Dylan Gabriel rush, uh, but then Nick Anderson, the freshman from Katie, snuck to the back of the corner of the end zone. Longhorns blew the coverage. And as you said, it was just, you know, you saw Derek Williams communicate it. But he did. it didn't get heard because it gave it Benda never looked it over. It wasn't confirmed by Benda. Yeah. So when you're so as a receiver yeah. goes in motion, Derek Williams is trying to hand off the receiver to, to bump, Benda. He's trying to bump the coverage over to the other side. Uh they call rolling the coverage. And yeah, usually you just you know, you let them know, hey man, I'm bumping the coverage. Now the coverage responsibility is yours on that side. That means you guys need to account for one and two on your side. Jaron Thompson accounted for his guy, but then you saw two wide open. It was a switch release. You saw two wide open well, because you saw Jared Thompson the, jumping up and down because he realized he's like you didn't you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get the call you didn't, hear him. you didn't get the call but that's why uh, and I, I gotta go back and look at you know that's on everybody everybody gotta be yelling that stuff when you see it Jared well, Thompson should have been like Bender over. Hey, Bender's, Bender's gotta he, look over yeah Bender was just staring in the backfield they're in Oklahoma's end zone you can't hear anything you can't hear but you can't you, 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 you can, can find a way yeah, yeah you need to go over there and pat him on the butt and be like hey dude Hey, well, we that's got, where we're rock and rolling this thing. So once I get to the twenty yard line, I'm calling timeout. No, no, I agree with you. I think that let's go to game management. That's one of my my two biggest issues with Sark in this game. He was predictable at times. Coach Steven reared his ugly head and saw he was being predictable at times, especially on the goal line and early on in the game. And then yeah, game management and clock management. Mm. Frustrating. Yeah, very, very frustrating. And Dylan Gabriel played the game of his life, and they win that game. The goal is, we're from Sark coming back. What about a rematch? Can you get yourself back to the game in Arlington? That's from Hook'em Up. You can listen to Hook'em Up with Ian and Rod B. every weekday morning right here on the Horn, 6 to 11 a.m. Uh, some good stuff in there. Still missing Bijan. Still missing Rojo. Hey, man, we saw last night in the te- or yesterday, on, yesterday uh, on the Texans game when uh, – the Falcons didn't know what to do against the Texans. Just give it to Bijan. Just give it to Bijan in the red zone. Definitely missing him for the Longhorns. Be glad we don't have to talk about this game in two weeks. Hopefully we'll move on. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap the show up here on the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Get you ready for tonight. All the games happening. We'll get you ready for that when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn.
Last call. So either hook up now or go home and take care of yourselves. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes till somebody passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes. I'm very drunk and I intend getting still drunker before the evening's over. Last call here on the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Thanks so much for everybody who texted into the show. You guys drive the show. We just try and keep it on the rails. I appreciate you guys. The show is so much more fun with you guys on it. I always make the show better, even when it's terrible, and even when some of you are jumping off the edge, and even when I'm jumping off the edge, and even on a Monday when we all overreact, I appreciate all your texts. We'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, we'll get off a little bit early tomorrow for uh, Rangers. Rangers taking on uh, the Orioles up 2-0 in that series, so we'll have that tomorrow afternoon at 6.30 pregame, but we'll be on at 5 o'clock as usual. Tonight's games, uh, we have the NL playoffs going on right now, uh, later uh, Dimebacks and Dodgers. NFL, you get the Packers and the Raiders game. I, I don't know if this is a great Monday night football game, Packers and Raiders. See if Jordan Love can keep doing it. See if Josh McDaniels is still one of the worst coaches in NFL Going to, is he going to try and be one of the worst coaches in NFL history? Just a terrible, terrible hire. And Mark Davis can't read a room. Doesn't realize that everyone can see the writing on the wall and says, you shouldn't have done this, but you did. But okay, let's just move on. We all want to like the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in Vegas. You're, you have the skull. We all want to be fans of you guys. We all want you to do, uh, you know, just be good enough that we have an excuse to go to Vegas and you can't seem to put it together and you hire one of the, the worst coaches and just a guy that's so unlikable in Josh McDaniels. No, he'll be like the Patriots, even though the Patriots suck now. And tell you, and then they, they can't even get Tom Brady because the league wants to put the kibosh on giving ex players a good deal because you know, they know it's a it's a coup for for the Raiders to get Tom Brady. It's all it's all ridiculous. But that's all notwithstanding. None of that's going to be at the show tonight. No, that's in Monday Night Football tonight. Tonight is just Jordan Love versus versus whoever's playing quarterback for the Raiders this week. Just a terrible, terrible. Packers are going to win. They're, they're not even favored. I don't know why the Packers are not favored in this game. All the turmoil that's happening in Las Vegas. I don't know how many teams I would pick Las Vegas to beat, but they're two-point favorites. Raiders are two-point favorites, so I, I'd say the easy money is on the Packers there. Just my, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not always right. Also, of course, the Spurs. First Spurs preseason game uh, of the year. No Keldon. No Sohan, but that uh, does mean the debut of Wimby tonight. So watching that on NBA TV. I don't know if it'll be on NBA TV or blacked out, and there's going to be something on local. I don't know. Uh, that'll be a 7 o'clock thing to find out. I hate how they do that, uh, but it's supposed to be on NBA TV tonight. So hopefully we'll all be able to watch that. And a uh, palate cleanser of sports if you are a Cowboys or a Longhorns or an Astros or anybody else who just needs a palate cleanser. Spurs are on tonight. You're going to see the beginning of Wimby Mania happening uh Happening in San Antonio. Suiting up, playing in the actual Spurs jersey, not Summer League. Real good. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock, right here on The Horn, uh, getting into some more. I'm sure we'll talk more Tex OU and more Cowboys and much more of your reactions on the text line. You guys drive the show, and we appreciate you so much. Uh, until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Sports Complex. Bye.